Good evening, and it's a little after 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we assume, since uh, we just set the clocks forward and we're getting a good old nor'easter this uh, next day or two here in the eastern United States. Anyway, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And we're getting some snow here in Ann Arbor, so Jim is either in transit or not going to make it because of the snow. So we'll uh, carry on, irrespective. Uh, kind of a, uh, well, let's just real quickly congratulate the uh, the Michigan Wolverines for getting into March Madness and all that. You know, I always get a little perturbed around here listening to these idiots calling for uh, Mr. Beeline to uh, get fired or something. This guy is a fantastic coach, one of the best in the game, runs a great program. Quite frankly, it's not his fault that some of his uh, foolish players have left the program early to pursue an NBA career, because if you look around the NBA, none of, hardly any of them are on, on any of the rosters. So uh, congratulations to the Wolverines. We won't comment about state... <laughs> We don't like them. <laughs> but uh, they're in the tournament as well. as in the Big Ten, will be interesting to see what happens with the Big Ten because uh, they are well represented, but uh, some controversial seedings, I would say, at the end of the day. But anyway, seedings aside, March Madness is a perfect distraction for all of the silliness and madness that's going on in the real world. Well, I never understood, just for my two cents worth, why fans of one school couldn't root for the other school from their home state. Yeah. Well, I root for the Big Ten, yes. I've even admitted to rooting for Ohio State uh, in certain games. Uh, I would much rather see Ohio State beat uh, Alabama or Oklahoma in a big ball game. Because I think it makes the Big Ten look good uh, and uh, is a credit to the uh, the quality of uh, interscholastic, inter interscholastic sports in the Big Ten, both men and women. 
And, of course, Title IX is part of the success of many of the women's uh, sports programs here at the University of Michigan. Anyway, uh, we got some late-breaking news that Donald Trump's apparently coming to the area. I don't know all the details. I was sort of going out the door when I heard that he was apparently, uh, apparently going to be in the Ypsilanti area on Wednesday. I don't know if the weather's going to change that, but uh, I'm not too sure what this is all about. But I, I, Is I there some place that has added like seven new jobs or something that he wants to claim uh, credit for? Well, the most remarkable thing is, is that I noticed uh, tomorrow somewhere up on North Campus there's an event at, uh, I'm, I don't want to get this incorrect, but it, it's, it's called Eat... A donut with a cop day, <laughs> and I was just wondering if Donald Trump saw that. Said, "I'm going to that." That sounds like some real Americans to me. Uh, he, of course, has had a uh, relatively bizarre week, uh, bragging about things that he doesn't deserve any credit for. And quite frankly, I'm exceedingly troubled by uh, Donald Trump's uh, theories about the Middle East. Uh, he seems to be, well, you know, we've got an announcement that we're going to be uh, sending troops into Syria. Uh, well, they've also announced an intention to uh, relax uh, guidelines and restrictions on drone strikes that are meant to uh, prevent attacks on civilians. Yeah. I'm not sure how uh, increasing the collateral damage count on uh, unintended targets is going to help pursue America's aims in those regions. Well, and of course, there there have been drone strikes from time to time in uh, in Yemen, and uh, one of Donald Trump's big early blunders was going into Yemen uh, with a raid using special forces that seems to have yielded virtually nothing. Uh, it was reported shortly after the raid, by the way, that the uh, so-called intelligence that America received, according to Helene Cooper were uh, do-it-yourself lessons for aspiring bomb makers. We're talking videos here. Uh, do-it-yourself lessons for aspiring bomb makers. Hours later, the Defense uh, Department officials acknowledged that the videos appeared to be 10 years old. That's what you call a negligible gain. Similar to uh, training messages by al-Qaeda that were distributed on the Internet in 2007. Yay. You could have found those on the Internet. I think so. And uh, there's still some controversy about that. John McCain is uh, looking into the matter. Uh, he's also demanding uh, evidence that Trump has yet, yet to produce about uh, Obama tapping his phones, uh, which I don't believe. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but I think that's undermined uh, Trump's uh, credibility on all sorts of things. Very briefly, I wanted to mention uh, the nonsense that went on this weekend regarding Trump and the unemployment numbers. Um, Donald Trump has not passed the budget yet. We are riding an eight-year bull market. This is well-established. This is, in fact, uh, the longest bull market since Bill Clinton was president. And uh, while there's certainly some perceptions out there that the economy uh, may improve under Trump because of his pro 
business perspective for that what that means. remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. It's this sort of knee-jerk, simplistic uh, deregulation uh, thing that we don't know exactly what, how the deregulations are going to help business. We do know how it's going to help pollution. <laughs> and it's very bizarre when the head of the EPA then interjects uh, back into the public debate and the public sphere that carbon dioxide is a debate. Well, it's not a debate. We'll get to uh, Mr. Pruitt in a second. It's a scientific fact. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Donald Trump tried to uh, claim credit for this uh, jobs report, and the jobs report wasn't uh, wasn't bad. It was it was a good, solid jobs report. But I'd like to point out that, um, contrary to Donald Trump's tweets, as Neil Irwin points out in. Uh, March 11th edition of the New York Times regarding the jobs report, it's worth remembering, I'm quoting Neil Irwin here, that the recent numbers are entirely consistent with the economy's growth pattern for years. The 235,000 extra jobs that seem to have uh, Drudge, that's Matt Drudge, and Mr. Trump so enthused, are actually fewer than those in four of the 12 months in 2016. You will, of course, recall in 2016, every time there would be a jobs report that would come out, Donald Trump would claim that the statistics were fake and phony and that the real unemployment rate in America was something like 40%, which, of course, is nonsense. Um, What isn't nonsense, by the way, is that about 11,000 people every day, which means half a million people since Trump's been president, have turned 65. This makes them eligible for Social Security. Now, due to the uh, precariousness of the uh, Social Security system and many unknowns about Donald Trump's presidency, I would suggest that many people over 65 will keep working. There's evidence that they are. But the fact of the matter is they can start to retire and they can collect Social Security. So this idea that there's a missing massive number of people who are not employed, there are certainly uh, several million people that are, quote, unaccounted for in the economic statistics, but it doesn't mean they're not employed. Many people are employed off the books. Ask the contractors in Texas, Southern California, that use these people for construction jobs and are delighted to hear about deregulation in which immigration laws with respect to employers may not be enforced, but deportation orders and roundups may be enforced. So we'll see what happens. Uh, As for the optimism that uh, Sean Spicer, Trump's uh, spokesman, keep citing, um, well, I'm a little uh, dubious about that optimism. You have to take the little pill first. Well, you do, and you have to realize that the budget has not been passed yet. It's very important to realize when analyzing economic statistics that a president's 
real economic record doesn't start until the, the fiscal year. And the fiscal year starts on October 1st. They have a debate about the budget. Now, the way the United States has been operating, which is dysfunctional, they've been using these continuing resolutions for quite some time. But when we hear about cuts of 25% to the EPA, uh, including a lot of personnel, and we see that, for instance, the Great Lakes funding for enforcement of keeping mm -hmm. the Great Lakes clean is going to be cut 97%. We have to start to wonder about Donald Trump's priorities, particularly when he wants to increase defense spending by $54 billion while going into Yemen and Syria. Donald Trump hasn't explained why either one of those are in America's national interest, and he needs to do so. Oh, but he doesn't need to because all he needs to do is say, we're going to stamp out radical Islam. Exactly. And if that means sacrificing the well-being of the largest concentration of fresh water in the Northern Hemisphere, so be it, I guess. Uh, it seems like a pretty dubious trade-off to me. Yeah, and of course it's troubling when some of the deregulation being promoted and, and hooplaed about are actually efforts to add pollution mm -hmm. to our air and water. We have the uh, EPA administrator. Because this of, is good for business. Yeah, and it's unclear how this is good for business. We have the EPA uh, had uh, Mr. Pruitt... Uh, giving an interview, and I don't have the exact uh, quotes in front of me here, but he basically went back to the global climate change as a debate, and he even suggested that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is a debate. It isn't. Um, the World Almanac, any year will do, <laughs> shows quite clearly, and this uh, information comes... Uh, from the Information Analysis Center at the Department of Energy, headed up now by Rick Perry. Rick Poindexter Perry, because he's wearing glasses now. Yeah, he's smarter when he wears those glasses. But uh, according to their measurements, you can see that carbon dioxide has increased starting in 1744 all the way through and, of course, these records only go back to 2008 because I'm quoting from the 2010 World Almanac here. The measurements, by the way, were uh, from the old days before the Industrial Revolution. Because let's remember that the Industrial Revolution itself is literally only a little over 200 years old. The steam engine by James Watt was sort of the start of the Industrial Revolution. And there wasn't a massive Industrial Revolution early on. It was very, very sporadic, very local. Um, hence, you have kilowatt electric, uh, electric bulbs and that sort of thing. Uh, but the measurements were taken, by the way, on carbon dioxide by scientists. And the measurements were derived from a 200-meter ice core sample drilled near Sipel Station in Antarctica between 1983 and 1984. Wait a minute. Ronald Reagan was president back then. 
These are American scientists and international scientists, mm -hmm. by the way, that work down there in Antarctica. They've measured the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. How do they do this? They catch air bubbles in the ice. And then, of course, the measurements from 1960 to 2004 are taken directly from the atmosphere at Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii. Wait a minute, that's based in America. What Donald Trump is unclear whether Hawaii is a state, apparently, still. <laughs> How can Obama be from there? But guess what? The state of Hawaii is challenging the travel ban, the mm -hmm. updated travel ban, which we got this week. So Scott Pruitt is full of nonsense uh, about this. Now, what's interesting about this in information, by the way, in the uh, Any World Almanac, and you can look this up under the environment section, that documents uh, air quality around the globe as well as the United States metropolitan areas, which, by the way, you can see where the polluted parts of America really are. They're in California, uh, Phoenix, Arizona from time to time, and uh, Georgia, uh, Atlanta. But uh, this is where the particulate air quality in which uh, the air quality failed to meet acceptable standards that are created by the EPA. Interesting chart there. But it also shows, by the way, that uh, uh, some of our emissions have declined, including nitrous. <laughs> oh, I don't know where Ronald Reagan's <laughs> going to get his laughing gas anymore. Uh, that, of course, has declined because of regulations. Sulfur dioxide has declined over time. Once again, efforts to clean the air have improved these pollutants in the air. Well, then to go back to the Great Lakes again, listeners of a certain age can no doubt remember when Lake Erie looked like a root beer float made in a toilet. So it's it's interesting that for the period of time that they have in this chart from 1970, when the EPA was was created by executive order under President Richard Nixon as part of the Clean uh, Earth Day um, celebration, that was a a, a bill that was uh, brought. Uh, to the Congress by uh, Senator Gaylord Nelson. And by the way, this year, we're on the 22nd of April, we're going to have a uh, march around the country. Science, a science march. The scientists want to be heard. But what this details, by the way, is the ability of the EPA to reduce the uh, mm -hmm. pollutants. That's what it shows, the four charts. That's the point of measuring things and studying the measurements. You can do things about them. So the air in America is significantly cleaner today than it was in 1970. One of the major reasons, of course, is we're using unleaded gas. Mm. Uh, back in the 70s, we had leaded gas. But most of these uh, pollutants have been declining over the last uh, 30 years, 40 years. Because of regulation.
So it, it, it's kind of unclear how the uh, deregulation area of adding more pollutants to the waters of Kentucky are going to improve the economy there. It's certainly not likely to uh, reinvigorate the coal industry. No. And, of course, that's one of the areas uh, of continuing concern uh, regarding uh, President Trump and his priorities. Uh, we heard a big thing over the week that uh, his border enforcement's working because apprehensions are down at the border. Well, guess what? There was a big increase in them after Trump got elected. Yeah. Because people were rushing to the border. <laughs> Not to hear the band rush. <laughs> I would rush away. <laughs> They'd have to rush across the Canadian border for that one. Which is, of course, occurring. Indeed. I don't know that they're going to Canada to hear rush, but, <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Rushing to Canada all the same. Well, and uh, he'll no doubt want to fold this into his... Uh, chest thumping about job creation, but uh, apparently uh, Trump has vowed to hire a surge of 10,000 immigration and customs officers. Yes. And given the problems that they've had in recruiting quality people who will do that work professionally and uh, not treat themselves as a militia uh, not subject to the laws, uh, there's a lot of concern about abuses uh, amongst sure. the, the contingent that will be hired there. Uh, article by Ron Nixon, of all people, in uh, today's Times uh, points out some glaring examples of uh, real treachery and malfeasance by uh, a handful of officers, admittedly, um, engaged in that difficult work. Uh, but uh, knowing the penchant uh, for the Trumpsters to uh, engage in cruelty at every uh, given opportunity, how low will the bar be set for these individuals who will be uh, hired? Hey, you want to go beat up some Mexicans? Sure, yeah, that sounds like a good job for me. Uh, that's a horrible thing to contemplate, Uh Every day there's a new uh, grievance against the already uh, tattered reputation of this country. Well, and part of the reason that Jeff Beauregard Sessions may be the most troubling appointment in the uh, current Trump administration is, is that he has the power as the attorney general to, uh, getting back to this word priorities, set the priorities mm -hmm. Uh, we know, for instance, that he's going to go light on voting rights enforcement. We know that he is planning a, another war on crime, as he likes to put it. Well, and they won't be investigating abuses of uh, various police departments against uh, African Americans. And, of course, there's been some recent reporting about the close connection between Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, and uh, Steve Bannon. And the fact that this character, Miller, I think his first name is... Stephen also. Also Stephen. Yeah. A couple of Stevens in there. Um, he, by the way, was, was an assistant 
to uh, Sessions. So right. This Sessions Bannon Miller Troika Cerebrus, the three-headed dog <laughs> that guards hell. We need to keep a close eye on them because it's quite clear from the early uh, weeks of the Trump administration that that's where the power is. Not with Rex Tillerson, who is... Uh, Hello! Hello! Nowhere to be seen. He's, uh, and, I think, uh, in an oil pipes. Yeah. And shouting. With uh, not much of a staff, either. Yeah. And, of course, that's part of the Trump uh, incompetence, is that much of the the government has, has not been staffed properly. But so this way, the, massive yeah. demand that these prosecutors resign when... Right. They're yeah, not well, even... I forgot about that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And, of course, now why would he want a massive resignation? And, and of course, there's been a lot of focus on the second uh, district in New York. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name at the moment. Uh, um, the Indian. Yeah, Prahit Bara. Pra- yeah. Um, he w- actually met Trump personally after the election and, and was requested to stay on. And was promised to, to be allowed to stay on because that's one of the most important prosecutorial jurisdictions in the United States. They're the ones that go after Wall Street. They're the ones that go after many of the corruption cases mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Hmm. Chris Christie, is he still under the bus or is the bus on top of him? Uh, we get more... Scandalous information about Michael Flynn. And what is it with Turkey suddenly getting involved in Dutch elections? <laughs> I'm this is this is even more baffling because here we have a, a, another demagogue, a strongman, Erdogan, who survived a coup uh, last summer in Turkey. Trying to get Turkey into the EU, who's making all these inflammatory comments on the eve of the Dutch election. Now, what is that all about? I that to me is very strange. Well, the Dutch election is getting a little strange anyway for a couple reasons. One, there's suspected Russian involvement yeah. in that now too. They've been talking about that for a while, but then there's the. Uh, you know, their Bannon-esque, uh, their version hot-headed of monster, uh, Gert Wilders, yeah. who is... Uh, Who's actually not doing that well in the no, polls. No, I was going to say, there's been a response by by the, the Dutch voters no. uh, to back away from that. You know, their famous reputation for decency and tolerance is perhaps returning a little bit. Uh, and there's a likelihood that there will be a coalition government of a, sort of a left center green heavy uh, sort of a, a coalition. But uh, this Garrett Wilders is railing against uh, Turks, Muslims. And so that fits right in with this nationalist agenda here at home. But again, Garrett Wilders fails to appreciate why those people are there. Well, the Dutch government had a guest worker policy. Sure. They had a, a shortage of uh, hands for manual labor, so they made it possible for people from uh, third world countries, some of whom were former Dutch colonies and actually spoke Dutch, to come there. 
And so that's why there's an influx of, you know, non-Europeans, because they were picking up jobs that Europeans weren't picking up. Yeah, and I was... Just like Mexicans here. Sure, and one interesting thing that I was reading over the weekend is a new book uh, out by Patrick Coburn about the whole thing in the Middle East, the complexities of the Middle East. And he was noting that in Yemen, which of course is an, an area where Trump has this sort of strange desire to go into, well, Yemen, it was just reported over the weekend as part of this famine uh, mm -hmm. disaster that's on the horizon. We're talking about 20 million people here. Uh, Yemen, as I've been pointing out for weeks, is one of the poorest countries and most tumultuous places on the planet. Drought-ridden. Saudi Arabia has been bombing Yemen for several years now. Um, and, of course, the media reports that this is a, uh, you know, this is because of the Houthis in, in uh, as sort of southwestern Yemen who are trying to over, you know, these guerrilla fighters that are backed by Iran. And the United States has backed the uh, bombing of uh, Yemen by Saudi Arabia that's been going on more, much more heavily since King Salman took over. Um Patrick Coburn was pointing out that the uh, Saudi government deported 800,000 Yemenis back in 1990 because Yemen would not go along with the uh, ejection of Saddam Hussein from Kuwait. So these complex, and, and of course these Yemenis workers were working in Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. as, as drivers and manual labor and guest workers. Guest workers. Because the Saudis don't want to do that kind of work. Now, do they? <laughs> well, of course not. And, of course, there's all sorts of uh, terrible abuse that goes on in Saudi Arabia as a result of uh, these sort of indentured servants. Let's remember that slavery was, was outlawed in S Saudi Arabia in 1962. <laughs> I mean, these are our allies. These are our friends in the Middle East. I know that oil is involved, but, uh, boy, these uh, connections are... They're, they're, they're really mind-boggling at the end of the day. And I'm not too sure, you know, I understand that uh, that Erdogan wants to campaign in Germany because there are many Turk mm -hmm. Turks that live there. That's part of Germany's guest worker. But to associate the leaders of the, the Netherlands and uh, Angela Merkel with the Nazis is just pretty outrageous. Gert Wilders, not such a stretch. Angela <laughs> right. Merkel, not really a good comparison. But it's strange how he he shows up just at the right moment to resuscitate Gert Wilders' right. yeah. foundering campaign. It's uh, it's very strange. And, of course, uh, well, part <laughs> the connections to Trump and Michael Flynn. And Who knows? Iowa Congressman Steve King. Oh, he's always good for a... <laughs> The brain damage. Of course, work. once famously he talked about uh, Mexicans uh, with calves the size of cantaloupes from their muscular hauling of bales of marijuana through the now desert. He's apparently, tweeting out, and you know this whole tweeting thing. I mean, it's a kind of a mental d illness, yeah. isn't it? Really, to it like is. blurt out your hateful comments. He's uh, talking. He's he's got high praise for Garrett Wilders. And uh, we can't restore our civilization, parentheses not included, white, 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 uh, with somebody else's babies. But no, you're okay with somebody else's babies doing your crap work. Well, and also he's a zealot. 
on abortion. So and uh, David Duke uh, gives his full approval to Steve King's uh, recent hateful tweet. Well, yeah, and Steve King is a... Well, him and Louis Gohmert, Louis Gohmert are down in the, in the category of numero uno morons. <laughs> House of Representatives. 